Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, good morning. It's Wednesday, May 19th, and welcome to the Ohioan. Uh, we have a full house today. We got Craig Gambrin in here. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good. Uh, Tuesday is the beginning of my work week, and guys, Tuesday seemed like it went 500 years. Um, so I, I'm stunned it's only Wednesday. This is going to be a long week, man. Oh, yeah. Very long. It's only Wednesday. Well, although you can look at the Glass half full, and it is Wednesday, and it's almost over. Who knows? Yeah, we're gonna try and make make our way through this. It, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun week. I don't know, I mean, good week. I, I'm not complaining, but it just there's a ton of stuff happening. All right, well, lots to talk about today. And um, Brandon, our, our first story is actually from Craig. Uh, Craig uh, covers uh, news for the Fremont News Messenger, and. Um, over the weekend, I guess Cedar Point had a tough weekend, uh, one of their opening weekends of the year, and, you know, having trouble. I mean, you know, didn't have a lot of workers, which led to long waits, closed rides, uh, guest complaints. I mean, you know, they're trying to figure out life with COVID. Um, let's start with Craig since you wrote the story. What are you hearing about what was happening? Well, a lot of it was uh, you could find on Twitter. Um, I went on social media to try to reach out to some people to talk about uh, their experience. Um, there have been some people that I've talked to in the past, but uh, unfortunately, no one got back to me specifically that day to, to talk even further on that story. But apparently, there were uh, a lot of short, line, you know, long lines when it came to food. Some people had 45-minute waits. Uh, one person had even mentioned that they received two cups in, in one line because one of the workers didn't want them to have to wait a, another long 45-minute wait to get a refill. Um, you know, you're always going to get long lines at Cedar Point for the rides. I don't think people were complaining as much about that, uh, but they were complaining about food lines. They were complaining about some rides not being up and running yet. Um, but essentially a lot of that came because they have a shortage right now of workers and what that shortage is, we don't really know. We, we were, I followed up a, with one of their PR people that we talked to regularly and he just said that they, they normally try to hire about 6,500 workers for every summer and didn't really want to go into detail about how many people maybe they were short of that mark, but clearly you know, they were short as well. And, and they mentioned uh, in a statement like, you know, like many businesses around the, the state and around the country, they're experiencing some worker shortages. Brandon, what do you think the issue is? Um, you know, you got to think COVID has some play in it. Maybe not fears of COVID, but maybe just saying 
hey, maybe it's not worth it for what a place like Cedar Point would pay. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's well, fair code. You would think they would provide a lower turnout, you know, but um, for making lines less, but I think, but I guess maybe not the case. I, you know, I mean, if there are a lot of rides closed, I, um, you know, it's just um, for one reason or another. I mean, basically, um, Cedar Point struggling is struggling. You know, it's just trying to figure out how to create a smooth operation and a, to still maintain a good experience. And um, I think, um, you know, it's just something that they'll have to figure out as they go move forward. I, I, there's really nothing to really add. It's very straightforward. It's just, you know, people had a bad experience. It was, and, um, you know, um, there will have to be, um, the, the, it just didn't execute well at the end of the day. Um, it's really nothing, nothing else to really add here. It's just, you know, maybe there's, there's definitely a lot of, probably a lot of a result of COVID or pandemic. Um, um, and who knows, and, um, um, nothing really beneath, beneath the straightforward that comes off, that shoots out, shouts out to me here. Well, I, I think overall, I mean, not to just pick on Sierra point, but you know, you're having people that's having a hard time getting back to the workforce. Um, I, I, now, if we if we looked at just from a political side, uh, you know, last week um, Governor DeWine in Ohio said, "Hey, we're going to take away the three hundred dollars extra you get for unemployment." And DeWine and Houston uh, during a press conference said, "Hey, it's because we're not blaming people who are not going back to work. The system's better for people who don't w- go back to work." And I don't know, maybe if that has something to do with it. Again, not just for Sierra Point. I mean. You know, look at restaurants. We were talking the other week. I think it was like Wendy's was begging people to come and work for them. Um, you know, Craig here in the story, uh, there's a reference later on about how, you know, Sierra Point's offering a $500 sign-on bonus. And they introduced uh, dozens of full-time year-round positions. I, it, so, I, I can I mean, you're right, Brandon. I think, you know, you didn't have enough people... It's the beginning of the new year. I mean, it is kind of straightforward, but on the other hand, maybe looking at the state overall, maybe there is a bigger issue there. I, I don't know, Craig. You know, I always think of, hey, I wouldn't mind extra work, uh, maybe like a part-time job to go with my full-time job. But then, you know, it's not like I don't want to go work, but sometimes it's easier to find something you can do online rather than having to drive somewhere and, you know, you know, clocking in and clocking back out. Uh, is there anything more here about why some of these state jobs are being filled? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like I said, you know, they said that they hire 6,500 people every year. Part of that, and we don't really know what, what size of the chunk it is. It could be a third of their workers. It could be a little bit less. But some of their workers are uh, J-1 visa workers that are coming over from overseas, and some of that has been a little stunted because of U.S. embassies being closed. Uh, we just had a story last week about uh, worker shortages in uh, Putin Bay that uh, have, have you know been caused by this you know this pause and you know the embassies that are not really getting these J1 workers uh, kind of going through the system and getting back to work uh, you know 
doing some of those jobs that maybe some people just don't want to do, or maybe it's just their opportunity to come over um, and experience America, you know, during the summer and just work and make some money and, you know, use that. But uh, I think some of it is, is J-1 workers. We're not really sure exactly how many at this point that Cedar Point employs out of that 6,500 person pool. Uh, we know in years past, it's maybe been like 16 to 1,800, maybe even up to 2,000. So there's definitely more things at play than just normal summer jobs just not being filled by high schoolers or, you know, teenagers or whatever it may be. There are other factors we think that, you know, maybe have led to this shortage. But like I said, we're not really sure exactly what the split is. We're not sure where, um, you know, the park has kind of been short at right now because we haven't had a chance to to follow up on it. But um, certainly something that we'll be looking at doing here in the future, I think. Uh, Brent, one follow question about this and we'll put this part of it to bed um if you're going to see a point you know forget about from a worker standpoint um you know i don't think there should be any rules saying oh your experience must be like this and you must have short lines and everything but you know see point can be facing a problem here i mean you know tickets to the park start at 45 bucks and you know i get it you know it, sometimes it's hard to find workers. I mean, it happens, you know, for many reasons. Um, I, you think Cedar Point could face the PR problem because, you know, people are spending a ton of money for Cedar Point tickets. You think, you know, people are going like, to continue to be upset if this continues throughout the year and you're paying 45 bucks a ticket? Yeah, I mean, the implications, it's, you know, um, I'm more curious about how many people are still willing to pay tickets to come out during a pandemic. I think, you know, kind of like what the foot traffic's like. I think that's really the curious for me. Cause that's the thing, like, you know, you're talking about hiring shortages, but you know, this eight, this kind of weird trend across the country. I mean, Texas is particularly getting some flack for, uh, you know, it's governor's getting some flack here for kind of make, trying to force people off unemployment because uh, that probably was a result of the pandemic. But you know, as far as, um, um, you know, as far as for, you know, as from a, fa from a customer's perspective, I mean, why are you going to an amusement park? I mean, I get it. There are, it's, it's fun. It's outdoors, but, um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's just too early to be for personally for me. I mean, there are a lot of other, other safer outdoor events, I think that, um, don't require you to go to like a closed off setting. It's very, you know, where, you know, you have to pay high prices for food and concessions and, um, um, you know, you have to be in these vehicles that, you know, um, you know, all, and sanitation and wiping it down, it can only go so far. Right. So um, it's just, that's where my thinking's at right now. I don't, I don't know. I think it's just kind of, um, you you want to make sure that the or the park can stay afloat and that some sort of um, some there's some sort of solution over what they could do um, to uh, find a nice medium to be make it safer and a still enjoyable experience. But um, you know, keep yeah. It's if you're having a lot of rides shut down, you're still charging customers forty five dollars a ticket. I mean, you know. Um, be, you get what you pay, you, you know, you get what you get, I guess, uh, you get, um, you're just desserts in that sense. You're going to have, you're risking what just happened this weekend, you have, uh, unhappy customers and, uh, word of mouth. Um, 
So um, hiring hiring shortages aside, it's um, um, it's it's like you gotta you gotta be. Um, it's I think it's just good business lesson overall, just to kind of communicate what kind of experience customers can still expect, and maybe you would it's they might need to look at their prices in the future going forward. So. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. If you take a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, that's 90 bucks for two people. I, I think they have deals where maybe it's 80 bucks for two if you buy two tickets together. But still, 80 bucks, it's a lot of money. Man, I, you know, I think about my family. I'm not a roller coaster guy, so I probably won't be going to see a point anytime soon. But, man, a family of four, what's that, 160? I mean, wow. that's. I Yeah, I honestly think they – need to re-examine the business model, you know, and um, try to figure out what they can do safely and what they can do not and what they have to kind of, you know, keep shut down. Or, and also, you know what? There's so much talk. I'm so sick and tired of hearing businesses saying we can't. There's a higher there's a, you know, a worker shortage. And it's like, you know, to speaking of the higher political themes, it's really aggravating. You just want to see we'll pay people more money. You know, it's like make it worth if you if people are not willing to work at your place during a pandemic, um, regardless that we have vaccines rolled out. But, um, you know, um, those vaccines aren't lifelong lasting. The fact that you don't have people willing to work, go and work for these low wages anymore, just because it's just like, you know, hey, there's it's not worth the risk of getting sick or whatever. or You have to wear a mask now. I mean, then probably reexamine your pay, your pay structure. Um, well, especially that, if we're paying $45 a ticket. <laughs> well, and that's where I really disagree with what, um, especially Lieutenant Governor Houston said at the press conference because, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, system is where you shouldn't go work, and that's why we're taking this away, so you should feel more compelled to go work. Well, I don't think Americans are living that much off the 300 bucks extra per week. I think it's just like, Brandon, like you said, hey, it, it's a pandemic, you know? And there are some jobs. Like, I joked to my wife, say, man, you know, Wendy's is offering a sign-in bonus. Maybe I should go work for Wendy's for 10 hours a weekend just for my regular job. Um, you know, but, you know, I I mean, some jobs are hard. Like, see your point, you know, you got to walk. If, if wherever you're working at is deep inside the park, I mean, I don't know if it's easier to get there. I mean, Craig, I, I'm thinking it's probably – maybe a 20 minute walk in addition to your drive to get to where, wherever you're working at. You know, if you're, I mean, yeah. if I was to your point, I want the concession stand right by the front gate. So I don't have to walk that long, but if you're at the back of the park, I mean, I don't think there's a back entrance, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to walk across the park to get to wherever you're working at. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, obviously there's a worker shortage there and they're not going to lower prices. They don't need to. Honestly, um, you know, and as far as rides being shut down, things like that, you know, they took a loss last year, but that was due to the pandemic. They, if it would have been a normal year, they would have made another few hundred million dollar profit. And they, you know, so they're not going to, they're not going to have to adjust ticket prices. They're not going to have to, you know, there are some people that are concerned, obviously, that maybe when they travel from across the country to come here, that maybe some rides might be shut down, but that, that could happen anyway. Um, unfortunately with maintenance and things like that, things break down. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that rides might, you know, a certain ride might be shut down the weekend you go. 
it's just sort of the nature of the beast. And I think most people that go to Cedar Point, especially regularly, understand that. Obviously, there are some people that get upset when there's long lines or there's whatever it may be. But most people that go to Cedar Point really understand that they're going to have long lines. There's probably going to be times where it maybe rains or whatever and, and stuff gets shut down. But Cedar Point really has not really needed to adjust their business model because it's worked for them for so many years and it's going to continue to work. I know we're talking about this like doom and gloom of not having enough workers and there's been long food lines and this and that. I, I It might be the case for a long period of time this summer for Cedar Point, but I don't believe it's going to harm them. There's no bad publicity for Cedar Point. I mean, there have been cases where people have died at Cedar Point. There have been other issues at Cedar Point and people still flock there and they will continue to flock there because if you want to go, you're going to go and, and that's just all there is to it. Well, if I were you, Craig, I would check back in maybe not every week for the next couple of weeks, but see where that for sure in the next couple of weeks. Because sure. I'll tell you, Craig, I'm looking at our web numbers now of how stories are doing. Your story is still doing really well at 6 a.m. the next morning. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, Brandon, I mean, if if you and I are like, man, let's go to a park this weekend. Let's go hang out. I'll tell you, Brandon, if I'm sending you a link saying, Cedar Point opening weekend full of long waits, closed rides, and guest complaints, man, uh, uh, I think Brandon and I are like, hey, we got to go somewhere else. You know, let's yeah. let's go to Columbus Zoo or somewhere else, you know, or King's yeah. Island or wherever. I mean, you know, it's one week. You know, let's take a breath. But, man, uh, Cedar Point was sweating your article yesterday, I would bet you. I mean, it's it's hard. And, you, yeah. you know, I mean, Fremont's a small paper. But, man, you know, that's where I got picked up at various places around the state. Sure. And, yeah. you know, the power of the press. You know, it's not. <laughs> so. Well, I'd like to believe that, Chris. But I think Cedar Point – yeah, they're probably not happy about opening weekend, but they'll be fine. Let's put it that way. They'll be okay. If they can take care of their problems. If they don't have workers, who knows? It'll be hard. Yeah. Uh, Brian was talking about uh, exploring a different, you know, re-examining re your business model. And, you know, a lot of uh, companies have to do that during the pandemic. But I'll tell you, um, Ashley Home Store, I'm not sure how much they had to re-examine re their business model. They just said, look, we're going to offer savings. Uh, you know, if you click on the link, we're going to offer you savings. We can help you order furniture online. And, man, uh, that's their model now. Uh, and because of that model, it makes it so much easier. So uh, check out Ashley Home Store. It's my, one of my pieces of advice for you today. Uh, click on the link um, on the podcast provider you're listening to this on or click on um, our website and uh, check out Ashley Home Store. Great deals. You get the discount right when you open the link. So it's really good. Uh, check out that advice. Um, let's move on here. Um, we've talked about broadband. Um, you know, uh, DeWine put in his budget saying, hey, we want more uh, broadband funding. And we got it yesterday. Um, you know, the governor signed a bill that's saying, hey, there's going to be a new state broadband grant. Uh, program. Uh, I think he was looking for up to $50 million to budget. They're still trying to figure out what monies they can give. But this grant program is going to allocate $20 million uh, to help out residential broadband expansion program. 
Um, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I think the hard thing about it is uh, I, I served for a while on a, a nonprofit in Columbus that was trying to provide more uh, broadband opportunities to residents. It's expensive, especially when you look at broadband in rural areas, um, especially when you look at the southeast, because to hook some of these communities up, you've got to run line from wherever you have it, be Columbus up north or maybe Kentucky down south. You got to run it all the way to the community. So, so it's kind of it's going to take money. But I'd say maybe this is a good sign. I mean, we got 20 million earmarked to it. Uh, there should be more money coming. I'm assuming they're going to get some money in the budget. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about the stuff that Ohio took? Sorry, Chris, you, you cut out on me. What was that question again? Oh, I sorry, sorry about that. What do you think about uh, what Ohio is doing in terms of broadband uh, with this program? Uh, uh, do you think it's going to work? Uh, well, grants, I mean, you know, they're kind of, they just, I don't necessarily think if it's, you know, 20 million is really nice um, to have, uh, but uh, to allocate towards increasing broadband infrastructure. But I just feel like, you know, giving out grant programs, um, you know, it, it's like you're, it does, it's not like a complete devotion of like an infrastructure and, um, you know, it's, it's, um, just something, just just something like it's more of a band aid, I guess. I'm trying to say, not, not always the case, but um, and of course, you know, who's it depends on who's a- eligible to apply for it. Um, how do you, um, um, you know, how does it really address the um, the the gaps in our services? So I guess it's really just, um, tr- um, you know, just really depends on does it really address. Um, you know, just um, where where the areas that we really do need. Uh, um, so I think that you know, of course, it's been said for a long time that the rural areas have been have are the ones that desperately need this service, uh, or, or I don't know if they desperately need, but they they're the ones who are definitely lacking in the in this kind of in broadband. So does it really, you know, it's um, does it really kind of meet that need? I guess. Um, so we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, I I remember we had um, uh, when, I, when I worked for this um, broadband, uh, we had uh, a company. Um, it was President Obama at the time. He actually announced a major uh, grant as part of funding one time. And I'm trying to look it up. I can't remember exactly what the funding was for, uh, but it, it was it was definitely used by uh, used well by the nonprofit that he gave it to, but you know, we're still in this boat. So, uh, you know, Hey, I, I mean, we need more broadband, especially as we're starting to come out of a pandemic. Um, do you think it's going to be a money pick, Craig? I guess that's my only problem about this. How much money is needed to actually make this work? Well, that's, I guess that's the big question is what, what, what's the real dollar about? We keep kind of throwing money at this, which is not, I'm not against that. It's just, we, we throw money here, we throw money there at it. And, you know, we really don't know how close we are to getting to solving this issue. Um, it's probably going to be uh, somewhat of a money pit, but it's also something that we, 
you know, the governor has talked about needing to address and wanting to address. So, um, you know, maybe it really doesn't matter how much something like this is going to cost because this has been, you know, named a priority. And, you know, you kind of, I kind of wondered at first if, you know, we, we knew this priority was there, but we, it really came to the forefront during the, the, the height of the pandemic when kids were at home learning and people needed better internet access. And I, and I kind of wonder now as schools are starting to get back more to a, a full-time class schedule, if broadband's gonna get pushed to the back burner again, because maybe people will say, well, we don't really need it anymore now, so let's not you know, dump a bunch of money into it. So hopefully this is the start of things to, to just kind of, you know, upgrade everything and, and get to where it needs. But, you know, we really don't know I don't think anybody's really ever said, like, if we spend a billion dollars on this, it will solve all our issues. I don't think anybody's really ever said, this is where we need to be. This is how we get to it. It's more of, here's a problem. We're going to throw some money at it. You know, it'd be nice if maybe we could use some of this, uh, you know, rescue money that we we just got, you know, recently all the counties essentially got in some cities as well. You know, maybe some of these counties in the in areas where internet is needed if they don't have any other projects or needs for that money, maybe they can invest some of their own money from that, you know, recovery fund to help broadband access. And Brandon, I'm not blaming former President Obama uh, for this. I, I think the in- inherent issue with this nonprofit that I was working for is you would encourage people to say, "Hey, uh, hey, internet company, don't you want to see internet across Ohio?" So this uh, nonprofit was kind of encouraging these companies to say, hey, make that investment. Run lines down to Athens County or whatever. You know, that would definitely help and everything. And I think the companies kind of pushed back and said, hey, we want more broadband. But look, it's going to cost all this money for it to happen. I mean, I'm almost thinking, and I I don't know if it's too progressive idea or not, you almost have to sit there and say, hey, company X, how much is it going to cost to run a line to Athens County or run more lines to Athens County? And if the company says, oh, it's $100,000, then the government almost needs to give that money directly to company X to say, hey, you know, we got some money being pledged. If if you use this money for it, it's going to work. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that might be the answer for making this thing work. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's. Um, it comes down to how committed we are um, as a state or um, as a nation to kind of meet this need, you know, and it it's going to cost some money. It's going to cost, um, unless there's some sort of um, private sector alternative that makes, that might make it, you know, that's makes says, hey, we can, it's a workaround here. We don't need to spend this much money. I mean, but that takes time. It takes years of innovation to kind of occur. Um, so in the meantime, you're like, you know, um, how do we address and meet a need? Um, and um, it's sometimes it just requires a little more investment and a little more uh, strategic planning. I think that's part of the idea behind this um, program this American recovery plan, because yeah, there is a lot of money being thrown at people. Uh, I, I understand that. But the thing I like is this money has spe- specific 
uses intended for it. Um, like it can be used for things like a Vaximilian lottery, but at the same time, it's used to help people. It's used to directly help citizens. Uh, for example, and this um, unfortunately didn't make the cut for the news, uh, the other day um, Columbus um, is paying a $10 million settlement uh, for the family of Andre Hill, one of the um, people of color that unfortunately have, have lost their lives uh, due to the Columbus uh, police. And, um, you know, Andre Hill wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, well, the Columbus offered $10 million to the family, but it was made clear that, hey, you can't use American Recovery Act dollars to pay that because it's not yeah, I mean, taking care of a fellow man definitely helps the community. But, you know, cities and states can't use this money to pay off, you know, you know, sell, you know, legal settlements and things like that. And I like that because we're, we're getting this money from the government, but we're saying we've got to use it on things that actually help people right away. So, I know. I think it's good. So, I, I know. I, I guess my thought would be is if there was a way you could say, you know, Hey, let's take some of this broadband money. Let's see who can run lines to a remote area of Ohio that doesn't have the internet. And if they can make that proposal and say, "Hey, we could do it for fifty thousand bucks," then pay them the fifty thousand bucks. You know, maybe do it like a state bidding process or something. I mean, I think that would help. It would be so much more helpful than just having another nonprofit out there. Um, just have a direct thing to say, "Hey." You know, you've got to use this money for this. And if they say, yeah, hey, go for it. should be good. Um, speaking of good ideas, um, before we get to our next story, um, you know, Chase Bank, um, you know, finances to stink right now. I'm, we're still waiting for a stimulus check. Um, my wife and I are hoping and praying we win Vax a million. Not much at all happened. But, uh, but you need a good bank during this time. You, you know, we're all counting our pennies and nickels. Try Chase Bank. And um, uh, it's worked for our family. We hope it works for you. And if you sign for account, again, you know, for your podcast provider that you're listening to the show on or for the website, um, you know, click on the link, uh, register for account. Attach a direct deposit, and then Chase Bank will put 225 bucks in your account. So, again, try Chase Bank. Work for us. Hopefully, it will work for you as well. Uh, Brandon, I, I'm a little bit careful about this next story because uh, it, it was done by one of our Columbus Dispatch friends. And, I, and I'm and i interested on this on a couple different levels. So, uh, hear me out a little bit on this. Um in a few weeks, actually, uh, the Columbus crew are going to be moving from their old stadium to their uh, new stadium. A lot of people are excited about that downtown. I'm assuming our reporter got this from the press release. But in the press release, they're calling it now Historic Crew Stadium. Is this a new language, or have you heard this before? Oh, yeah. it's Well, the stadium sponsorship has... Um... For Matt Free Stadium, it can't, has come to an end. Um, so I think um, right now it's just been rebranded as Historic Crew Stadium because um, that was the original name to w- without the historic. You know, it was called Crew right. Stadium for a long time. I think before um, it was revamped as a uh, Matt Free Stadium. So um, Historic Crew Stadium makes sense, maybe to a degree. It depends on what the new stadium will be called. Uh, I know that. Media reports have shown 
that, um, um, you know, uh, Dr. Pete Edwards, uh, minority owner of the crew has said that they have like, they're working, they're talking to like five different groups for the new stadiums naming rights. So hopefully they'll announce something soon in the coming weeks about that. Um, sponsorships has been kind of, a another subtle subplot to the crew saga this year. So, so I guess what I'm asking historic crew stadium is actually a thing. Then. It wasn't a, a weird comment by the reporter. No, no, it's the act proper name. Um, really? wow. and, uh, for now, I mean, it could change. I mean, right now they're trying to put a community park there and who knows, they might rename it. But I, at this point, I don't think they will. I think it will stay as HS HCS. Uh, but, uh, um, we'll see yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's got some intended use. I mean, I think there's going to be some games being held there, uh, some practices by different teams being held there too. But, but Craig, this is kind of exciting. It looks like that it's still going to be a concert venue. Um, Green Day, and I, I think the press release referred to him as legendary, which some of our Facebook comments were questioning about that. But <laughs> Green Day is going to be uh, there. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm not a huge Green Day guy, but I'm a big fan of Weezer. Weezer's opening up, and I'm um, looking at the story. There's two other bands that are interesting, too. So this is a pretty big concert coming, and I, I think as the pandemic hopefully continues to be less of an issue, I guess for lack of a better term, I think we're going to see tons and tons of concerts. So this is kind of exciting a little bit. I mean, we're getting live music again. Uh, it's going to be outside, um, so it shouldn't be as um, – I'm sure masks will be encouraged, but it's going to be kind of an interesting uh, night. Um, Craig, are you excited about live music coming back? Well, I have to admit that I'm not the biggest live music concert fan, um, only because I my preference is to hear or watch a movie or watch something the way it was intended, which is mixed in a studio – the best sound it could absolutely be. I get the the idea that people love going to concerts and that's great. I'm not a real big concert fan because I just, I don't think the live music is overly well produced and it just gets muffled at times. But, you know, for people that are excited about getting back out and doing things, this is another option. And for people that are, you know, concert goers, this is an opportunity to, you know, to go to a, you know, an intimate style event in an outdoor stadium where people can maybe, I mean, I guess by this time, they won't have to necessarily wear masks or social distance, but if they want to, they certainly can. Uh, but this will be an outdoor event. You'll uh, you'll probably get a big crowd because I'm sure, you know, Green Day and Weezer and, and Fall Out Boy will probably be able to sell some tickets, especially coming out of a pandemic where we haven't really had an opportunity to go out to concerts and things like that. So I think a lot of people are going to be excited about this. I You know, we, we covered... Uh, at the paper, the bash at the base coming back to put May this year. They're going to have Keith Urban and Blake Shelton, and a lot of people are excited about that. So, uh, you know, outdoor concerts are going to be a, a pretty popular thing this summer. Obviously, Ohio's kind of limited to just the summer months because of the weather, but uh, I, I'm sure this will be very well attended. Yeah, also on the Green Day tour, a band named after me on the podcast, The Interrupters. Uh, it should be interesting. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, Brandon, are you more excited about the Hella Mega Tour, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, Weezer, and the Interrupters, or the Keith Urban Show at, at Bastion Bay? 
guess I'd be more excited about Green Day. I mean, you know, it's funny, the legendary thing made me laugh because I they came into my, my mindset as a adolescent, um, um, you know, as middle school and everyone, everyone, Green Day's American Idiot album had come out, had, was coming out or, or they had the single out at the time. And so I asked my dad to, um, hey, I like to get, I, I really wasn't, I was very, I was very green about music back yeah. then. So, um, you know, just telling my dad, hey, I want this American Idiot CD. And so, like, I'm on the phone with him and he's, he lives in another state. So he's talking to a, some, some store person and he's like, and I was telling him, I'm like, yeah, Green, Green Day American Idiot. It's been around for, they've been around for a while or something. And, uh, my dad's telling this recitals to the store clerk and the clerk's like, yeah, the band's been around for a while. The, the album is new. It hasn't, it's not out yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Green Day is almost a boomer band. I mean, I remember I haven't listened to Green Day for a long time, but I remember listening to early Green Day was around when I was in um, college. So, man, I mean, it's almost a boomer group. I mean, you know, I, I bet you some kids are listening to this going, what are these old bands these guys are talking about? You know, bring on the new stuff. You no, know, it's weird because as a millennial, like, I, I grew up in a household um with a silent generation person and a and a uh baby boomer person so um you know their music taste was more very 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 old very much older uh very they did not like the the music of my of my times i suppose um um so i was i kind of had to listen to more uh, lawrence welk programming and uh um, and not that I was forced to listen to it, just like that was it. What were they played in the household? Lawrence Welk programming, and uh, um, probably as I got as probably as popular as you know, with the 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 Osmonds, uh, um, other kind of bands like that. <laughs> so, so, sort of, um, very older school music. Um, but you know, it's funny because uh, at the time, as a as a as a growing up teen, uh, um, you know, I was going, I, w- I went to the city school, so a lot of the popular music back then was, and still probably is, is you know, a lot more um, hip hop, um, R and B. Um, so kind of, I, I had really no one to kind of explain music genre to me really well. So I just kind of listened to the radio and listened to songs and and still maybe i'm like i really don't understand half the slang here <laughs> i'm so green i still don't probably but um um so um yeah very so music in me is weird i just tell it so when people say what's your music what's your favorite i'm just like everything i i just listen to everything it's funny thing is i kind of as i got older i kind of went back to the older music like the beatles or or whatnot you just kind of appreciate um the history of how where we how it's evolved and the genres and where people are taking the music. Sometimes newer songs. I'm starting to get to that age where I listen to new songs. I'm just like, no, this is this is this is definitely feels very top down, very corporate corporate, and doesn't really doesn't feel feel organic anymore. So I guess that's I'm at that age where I want something. I want something to feel real, not not. Uh, but who knows? To a younger generation, that might that's that's real to them. Yeah, it'll be interesting overall. I think, you know, as we get in late summer and fall, unless uh, COVID rears its ugly head again, it, it could be a very, almost like a golden season for concerts. I mean, you got to think, 
a lot of these bands and artists make their money on live concerts. And, you know, for the most part, you weren't able to do that last year of COVID. So I think a lot of these groups are chomping at the bit to get out there. I'm using a lot more concert announcements. I wasn't sure if they were going to use the old cruise stadium for concerts, but I got to tell you, I think we're going to see a ton this fall. And man, I mean, it's almost going to be what places can you house concerts at? I mean, you might see a ton of concerts around. Um, are, you think we're going to see more concerts at old Cruise Stadium, Brandon? I would think so. I mean, they got a very nice stage. Um, it was it, it was home to Rock on the Range for a little over a decade. Uh, I my wife is a big. She has clearly her favorite genre is the rock. Um, the angry screaming men <laughs> genre. I don't know. I'm kidding, but um, I'm being mean. But we've been to some of those concerts, and they're they're very at Crew Stadium, and they were very fun. Um, um, so I think you know, I know they're probably the stadium is probably. I've heard I've heard in the past that the stadium is going to get remove some of its upper seating. Um, yeah. so I don't I don't think those state I've not heard anything about the stage, but I would be surprised if they took that out too. I think that stage it'd still be a nice venue, I think, for concerts and um um and it's um hopefully they'll bring back some sort whatever uh I know that Rock on the Range has evolved into a Sonic Temple or something like that. But um yeah. if that event does get to become back, uh, hopefully um, you know, it's still be able to use that facility. Um so yeah, it, it, yeah. We're, we're getting a lot of venues actually popping up, music venues popping up in Central High all these days, so it's, it's exciting. So. Yeah, because I, mean, I think we're going to see a lot more concerts. It'll be interesting to see. I think we're all excited to see some live music if we can. Uh, problem's going to be, everything's expensive. I don't think we can afford going to all these concerts, but, uh, you know, hey, if, it, uh, I, I'm all for live events. I mean, it's going to be fun to see them come back. All right, before we get to our final story, I, just some advice. Um, I've been trying to remind people how we, uh, what you can hear on the weekend because, um, you know, we have another show tomorrow, then we're going to be done for the week. Uh, but remember, check out on Fridays. Craig has a pop culture show. Uh, Craig, I'm assuming you're talking to George again this week. I, actually, I'm not sure yet. I haven't heard back from him. Uh, hopefully, uh, depending on his schedule, um, obviously we would love to try to do this every week, but, uh, his schedule kind of goes all over the place. So I haven't heard back from him about maybe this week, but, uh, we'll still have some, uh, stuff from Bob Garver and myself as well. So, yeah, uh, still be on the lookout for some pop culture reviews and some insight onto just, uh, movies and streaming going on right now. Fantastic. So yeah, lots of content from, uh, Craig coming up on Saturday. Uh, we'll have content, um, did a little bit of extra show on Monday with our, our friends Paul and Joe. Uh, you'll hear us talk about some goofy stuff, and then Paul's got some book reviews. And then Sunday, some faith content. Um, Paul, his main job is a pastor. Uh, he's from Ohio. He actually preaches at a church in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, so he shares some spiritual content on Sunday. So check that out. Um, guys, I am not a golfer, so I don't want to uh, spend a lot of time talking about this story. I, I got to tell you a funny uh, story that here's how much not of a golfer I am. Uh, my small group, um, 
you know, I go there and I, I was a little disappointed at first because everybody at that small group likes to play golf. You know, and, and they're hardcore talking about golf. I mean, if we sit there for an hour, you know, just hanging out, talking before a meeting, um, you know, 45 minutes of the time, the guys are talking about golf. And, you know, if you don't know it, you kind of smile and nod. And, you know, there's not much to add to the conversation. So a new guy came and, you know, we're all sitting there watching the whatever golf tournament was on that week on, um, on TV. And I, he looked tired. So I, I went up to him and said, man, I can't believe everyone being excited about golf here. And the whole room just starts collapsing, laughing. I'm like, what did I do? What did I say? This guy who goes to a small group and uh, I know him really well now, David, we got, we have to have him on the show sometime. He's a real fun guy to talk to. Um, he's actually a professional golfer. Um, uh, he's uh, well known here uh, in the local circuit and he got his Canadian PBA tour card. Uh, so they're laughing at me saying, yes, David actually knows golf and he likes golf. And he's very good at golf. So <laughs> it was funny, but if you're a golfer, you should be interested in this story. Um, Firestone Country Club up in Akron. It, it was the uh, longtime host of the World Series of Golf. Uh, lots of pros coming in. I think they still host a senior uh, tour event. They're offering a deal now. It's going to cost you money, but you can actually play Firestone Country Club. Um, nothing in the story really directs why they're doing this. I'm assuming like everybody else, you know, I'm sure their business was affected by uh, COVID. Uh, it's going to be a first, um, you know, uh, packages range from 500 to 900 bucks, but you can play a famous golf course as a regular citizen where normally you have to have a membership for that. Um, Craig, are you seeing that happening more? You think where companies where it's hard to get in might say, Hey, we need the money. So here's a package. For you, to take, for you to come if you want to. We need some money after COVID. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure that there are plenty of people that, you know, maybe are itching to get out and play that course that have never played the course, and they'll be willing to spend the 500 or up to $980. Uh, some may wait for the fall when the price drops to like 430 But uh, it's a lot of money, but I think there are going to be plenty of people that are going to be interested in doing it. So, I'm not surprised that, you know, Firestone is probably thinking outside the box here. How can they make some revenue back that was lost from last year? This is probably that way. It's it's probably the easiest way to think of that, you know, you can actually make money back. And I think it's going to be pretty popular. I don't know how many people are going to be allowed to do this at one time, you know, based on, you know, how many rooms that are available or how much they want to clog up the golf course for the membership there. But my my assumption is it's going to be pretty popular. Brandon, I know you're not a golfer like me, but is there something that you'd like to see become available that you would take advantage of? Um, just to stay part. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, just more of a. I probably wouldn't. I don't know. It's not. This is nothing up my interest or alley. So, um, but you know, I think it does speak to the bigger trends that I, I think country clubs are kind of fading out. In ter to be honest, I don't know if this is something really popular among my generation, but, um, you know, it's not surprising to see ex places that used to be very exclusive are now trying to cater to a more mainstream audience. Yeah. It struck me because as a casual golf fan at the time, 
it is a well-known golf course. They have like one of the world famous holes on there. And you know, hey, if you if you like golf, it'd be fun to play there sometime. Again, five hundred to nine hundred bucks. Um, you know, my wife's saying, hey, we need to actually go on a vacation this year. And for a lot of families, that's probably not what you're doing unless your family's really into golf. But hey, it works for some people, it may not work for others. So all right. Well, hey, we need to cut out here pretty quickly. Um, another good episode of the Ohio one. Uh, one kind of give a shout out at the end. Um, uh, was kind of, I was kind of thrilled to see this. Um, you know, we talk about how, how can we help others during the pandemic? Uh, Franklin County has a power program where uh, several organizations are working together to give uh, free headlights and taillights to those in need. Um, it's good for auto safety. It's good to help others who are in need. I, I think it's a definitely a good win-win. So that's my shout for the day. Uh, Brandon, Craig, anything that you guys need to shout out? Uh, I don't have anything today. All right. Uh, Brandon, we, uh, we are you still at a high over the crew? I mean, it's it's uh well you know names the names we're going back to the original name since '96. That's great. Um, logo is terrible still with despite a couple updated tweaks, but um, we we move forward. You know who knows uh, at the end who knows it might br- if it brings in new fans uh might be worth it if it and if um. And if it doesn't, you know, the hopefully the lackluster sales will revert back to some sort of, if not back to the second uh, crest with some updated tweaks. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just I, I have to admit I have to share like guys like they someone posted uh, um, on Twitter uh, or uh, the massive report, uh, kind of a uh, fan driven blog, um, but. Um, I think that's probably that terrible way to describe that publication. They do great work, but um, they were saying rank rank the four logos because um, now we're this is technically a fourth logo. So I I was um, I had to go and um, poke poke a little fun and say you know the original the original crest with the three hard hat guys was I call that a new hope based off Star Wars Episode Four. <laughs> the second crest was Empire Strikes Back. It caused a little division, a little divisiveness, but mostly people love it. You know, people people mostly loved it. Uh, it's still it's still held as one of the greats, you know. But the third, oh boy, the third third logo we saw a week ago, Revenge of the Jedi. Um, you might be thinking, is that a typo? No, uh, George Lucas originally was planning to call uh, his sequel to Empire Strikes Back, Revenge of the Jedi. So um, changed his mind because Jedi don't do revenge. Uh, so. But that leads us to the fourth logo, the latest, Return of the Jedi. Um, has some things we like about it, but mostly it was slammed as a terrible, a terrible, uh, uh, terrible, t- probably the wor- worst of the original trilogy series. So I, I, I personally like Return of the Jedi, though. But it, to fit this uh, metaphor, I think that's how I uh, how I think it, it kind of fits real well. But um, other than that, uh, I know. Um, only other shout out I have is just telling you guys to go watch the trailer for this new Fox show called Welcome to Flatch. Um, and uh, maybe we'll chat about it tomorrow. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I can tell you where Brand's interest is in there. <laughs> so, uh, 
Um, me and my shout outs. And oh, I gotta take Craig's one uh, since Craig didn't mention it. Uh, as always, support local journalism. If if you want to support local journalism by people in the Ohioan, man, you gotta support. Yesterday, Craig had uh, yeah, Craig writes every day, but Craig had a big story about Sierra Point that we talked about earlier in the episode. And yours truly, I'm hit and miss. I I do other things for the paper, so you don't often see me writing. But yeah, two for for me yesterday. Um. Uh, I've been kind of bashing a little bit everything going on with the crew situation, and I, I wrote something, a fan react story about the crew, and then um, I had more fun writing the second story. Um, Vaximillion, we kind of looked at how late-night hosts are responding to Vaximillion. Um, Tonight Show, they talked about it. Uh, Col- uh, Colbert talked about it. Uh, Trevor Noah and uh, Jimmy Kimmel talked about. So we kind of looked at each of their reactions. Support local journalism. Wherever you're at in Ohio, you're, you're pretty close to the Ohio paper. If you're up in Sandusky near Craig, you got Fremont. If you're down where Brandon and I live, you got the Columbus Dispatch. If you're south, you got Chillicothe, Cincinnati. Um, you know, support your local journalists. And although we prefer you support Gannett, Ohio, um, if you've got another paper in your area that's closer to you, uh, subscribe to that paper. That, that, that's how you keep this uh, ball rolling and business going. Um, you know, support local journalism. I know for Gannett, Ohio, you get six months for a buck. I mean, what better deal <laughs> is there with that? So, all right. Well, tomorrow, another big show. Uh, if we don't get to the regular show, um, uh, Brandon, you can shout out this. Uh, trailer that he was talking about. Um, I know uh, we've got something else we should talk about. Uh, I was working yesterday. Uh, there's a follow-up on this um, poor girl that um, the mom claims she was dying. She's not. Authorities are investigating. Uh, I know Canton's got a story that just dropped pretty much right now uh, talking about how um, different stuff is happening. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening there. So we'll, we'll talk about that more about that tomorrow. So for Craig, Brandon, uh, I'm Chris. Thanks again for checking out the Highwin. Check out our sponsors and share us with your friends. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out the show. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.